All right, welcome to Live BP Podcast. My man Coop here, along with Garrett Whitlock, the best chess player on the Boston Red Sox. Congratulations. Did you earn that title, Garrett? No, I don't think oh. so. Austin Davis has got me uh, got me beat on that one, and then uh, Otto Vino's right there with him. Uh, well, you know, we can talk about the change-ups, and we can talk about the sliders, and we can talk about pitching in the playoffs and everything else. But everyone really like the reality is everyone wants to know how much better you get as a chess player from from rule five guy to guy closing out the Yankees in the wild card. I mean, really, that's all anybody want to know. How much better did you get? Oh, I've gotten infinitely better. Uh, Pavetta pushed me a lot to get better at chess. And then, you know, we actually brought in Connor Wong. Like he has gotten infinitely better at chess. Like he's. Uh, he sat there in the locker right next to me and Austin Davis and everything. And every single day he was doing puzzles and, you know, trying to get better. And, you know, Tanner Houck's now jumping on board too. So I think we're going to have a good little chess club again this year. Well, so you, you, all I can envision, Carrot, is like when you talk about Pavetti really pushed me, it's like somebody yelling at someone bench press, you know, like, come on, <laughs> Rook to, Rook to night 10. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing. You know, so, I mean, what do you say? I'll say it. What he it says, was just funny. What does that mean? Say again. When he's when you say when he says pushing you, what does that mean? Is it like screaming at you? Like, like what does it mean? No, I mean he's always just like he's always trying to raise your bar, kind of saying like, hey, you know, like I'm getting better. I'm doing these things. Like, what are you doing to make sure you're getting better? And he'll play me in matches, and he'll be like, hey, you know, like I'm not seeing that move out of you. What are you seeing? And then he'll try and like you know, just kind of the same thing. Not so much screaming and yelling because you know it's it's more you know, like logical than it is like physical or anything like that. But it's, uh, it's just stuff like that, that, you know, he's always pushing me on. I think there needs to be more screaming and yelling in chess personally. So, <laughs> um, but you know, so we, to morph this back into baseball, it's funny. You know, we were just talking about this, about chess being sort of an element of baseball. And you actually said one of the best quotes, which Alice Cora, I put think put on his resume, which was, tell me, tell me this, tell us the story again. This was a great story. All right, so me and Otto were playing uh, chess in his locker one day, and we're just sitting there playing. AC comes and walks up, and he's just looking at us playing and everything. And, you know, he uh, Otto looks up at AC, and he's just like, hey, AC, like, do you play chess? And AC looks us dead in the eyes. He goes, I play chess every night once that game starts and just walks away. And Otto just looks at me and says, all right, then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was very Pedroia-esque. But – yeah, I said, so I've said this, and people know, haven't really latched onto it, but maybe you will, that baseball is sort of like a combination of chess and ballet. C- can, you, can you feel me on that one a little bit? I mean, this is because there are absolutely unbelievable athletic achievements in baseball. I mean, we, it's not like basketball. It's not like hockey. It's not like football where it's this wave of running and jumping and everything else. But every once in a while, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, then boom. There it is. Right. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I always tell like sometimes whenever I'm giving lessons or anything, I'll tell the kids, you know, like pitching's like dancing, you know, like with your whole um, movements and everything like that. Clearly, like I'm not going to be the a, a ballet person. I'm nowhere near as talented as those people are. But like you got to have some rhythm. You got to have some balance. You got to have coordination, everything during your mechanics and everything like that. And so, yeah, I can see a little bit of the ballet side as uh, as part of it. What's the best, what's your, your best athletic achievement? Best athletic achievement? Like, I don't, Coop, I don't know if you were this, like, if they still did this, like, in, in, in grade school, they have the Presidential Fit, Physical Fitness Awards, 
like Brian, like the pacer test. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm, we're about the same age, Garrett. I don't know if you had to do the pacer test at all. Is that the beep test where like, yeah, yeah. Had to do that. Uh, Had like the funky music playing in the background. Oh yeah. Where did you guys rank on that? Let's find out who who was a better athlete, Garrett Whitlock or Coop. I mean, this is one's an MLB player. One's not here. It's a very easy answer. So what? So what? I mean, so what? You're, I mean, I was the gym tryhard, but that's about it. That's about as far as I ever went. Well, again, Garrett, what was your best athletic achievement? What did you like the the? Uh, I still say that I'd still say like I'm still waiting on that because I'd practice with my wife in college with her soccer, and golly, she made me look like a fool. And so I'm still trying to be able to compete with my wife. So you know, I'd like to tell everyone that I'm not even the most athletic in my family. You know, my wife's got me beat on that. Who's faster? See, no, I, I am fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fast, but she can beat me if it's long distance. Yeah, I mean, so, soccer players run what about five miles a, a game? Shoot, they run a they run a ton, and, and like she runs for fun. I don't, I don't get the whole running for fun thing, but she does that, and uh, yeah, she's got me endurance wise, but I'm I'm a little quick. I'd li- I'd like to say I'm a little quicker than most people think I am. I mean, baseball, you're sprinting ninety feet, and then that's it. Oh yeah. If you go back and look out a double, if you go back and look at the, uh, when I was on base in Atlanta, I almost beat out that throw from Freeman there to, to second base. All right. So when you're doing that, right, I'm fascinated by this. Maybe no one else cares when, when you're a pitcher, right. And, and I understand like if you're, you know, 15 years in the league, I'm walking down to first. I'm not even, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like David Ortiz on the ground ball to second, you know? So, but when you're on the base, you get on the, the base pass like you did in your hometown, by the way, correct? I mean, Atlanta, right? So are you oh, yeah. thinking, are you reverting, boom, right back into Covenant Christian Academy? I'm like, I'm doing the pop-up slide. I'm, I'm busting down a second. Is every, or, or is everybody like, hey, Garrett, just calm down, calm <laughs> down. Oh, yeah. So Goody looked me right in the eyes and said, wait, just don't hurt yourself, kid. <laughs> and so... I'm sitting there. I'm like, shoot, I want to, I want to be, I mean, you look at Max Freed. That's one of the, like, I, in my opinion, he's one of the most athletic pitchers in the game just because like they brought him into pitch hit. I mean, that, that says a lot about, about you if they're bringing you into pitch hit. And so Freed can fly. I'm not saying I'm anywhere near as fast as Freed, but no, I wanted to try and, you know, show a little something. Cause I always talk to Goody in the outfield when we're shagging BP and I'm like, Hey, if we ever get in a situation and y'all need a pitcher to play the outfield, you know, just think back to me. <laughs> and so, who are who are you faster than on the Red Sox? Like who would be a good comp for you if you're gonna say I'm gonna do a 40 yard dash against this guy? Because going back and Coop, you probably remember this when you were like five years old. But it was like the the Buckholds, Clay Buckholds said he could beat Jacoby Ellsbury in a race, right? And yeah, no, and Buckholds was fast, man. Like he was fast. So there was always the guy that he's like. He's a good comp. I would, if you had to go out there when you get to spring training, say, hey, let's do a 40 yard dash. I think it'll be close. Who would it be? Oh, see, I don't know about that. Cause I'm always just comparing myself with the pitchers that I'm running with. So I don't know. Cause like me and Hauk always race, like we're always competing against each other. And so I'm, I'm typically, I'm typically, I typically have him, you know, if we're, if we're running speed wise. I, I want to go up against either Sale or Evo when it comes to speed. Just because, I mean, Evo's just a, a freak of nature anyways, and then Sale's got, like, about a nine-and-a-half-foot stride length. So 
you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see where I stack up against them on the speed are, are test. They, so are those, those are the two fastest pitchers you think right now? I'm going to say so. Yeah. Well, the big takeaway I got from that was that you talked trash to Tanner Houck and said you are absolutely faster than he is. So there you Oh, go. we're always messing with each other on who's better at everything else with each other. <laughs> give, me, give me your top three things that you're better at than Tanner Houck. <laughs> Ooh, better. I mean, chess. That's but, that's number one. I'm yeah, well, I mean, he, he tries hard, you know, good for him. And by the he way, does. congratulations He's... to Tanner Houck, friend of the program for getting married. Um, correct? Yes, he got married. I knew that. Absolutely. I took yeah, Abby, his wife, is such a wonderful picture. person. I took his Christmas card picture on the field, so there you go. You're welcome. Um, but give me your top three things you're better at than Tanner Howe. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have three. All right, so give me I, I got speed and I got chess. That might be it. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Pitching, you're even. <laughs> it's a tie. I don't know. He, he might have me on that front, too. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to, at some point, we have to get into the actual art of pitching. <laughs> so, which, you know, maybe we don't, I don't know. And I know that Coop is, uh, Coop has his top three Garrett Whitlock moments queued up and he wants to elaborate on each one, sort of the 30 for 30 for each, for each instance. Um, but I will say this, you know, like I remember, you know, we've talked obviously a few times dating back to the, the first uh, interview we ever did as a member of the Boston Red Sox. Um, correct after the rule five draft um, I remember it like yesterday it was like a year ago I was Garrett Whitlock pig farmer you know <laughs> so there you go yeah so but then you went from there in spring training and and uh, and I remember where Alex Cora said the first day of spring training he referenced you which for us it's like hey you know now everyone wants to talk to Garrett Whitlock because Alex Cora referenced you right and then you go from there and you and you go through spring training and you make the team, which was awesome, an awesome moment, talking to your agent, that was great. Just like how emotional everything was. And, and you, you, your ability to learn though, I think was, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, we know the story about Man Andreessen and the change up. We know about you adjusting, you know, bringing in the slider, you know, about a month and a half into the season and listening to Evaldi and following around Evaldi and everything else. Now that you're through it, like I would imagine that your ability to actually listen and learn may have been the most important part of this equation yesterday, last year. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I would say it is. I mean, like, like I've been saying from the beginning, you got to listen to people that have been there and stayed there, you know, like sale told me at the beginning, like once I made the team, he said, Hey, congratulations. But you know, anyone can make the team that that's the easy part. Now you got to stay here. That's the hard part. And so you know, like, like I told, you know, Chris Cotillo at the all-star break, I was like, I don't deserve to be an all-star because I haven't done it for long. You know, like these guys have put in years and years and years. And it's like, I mean, that it, anybody can do it for half a season or anybody can do it for a season and stuff like that. So like, you always got to listen to people that have been there and have stayed there and like know what they're doing because they've done it. They know what it takes to succeed. And so I just want to soak that information up and learn from them. All right. So once again, we're power ranking things. Give me your top three pieces of advice from last year. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. So, <laughs> sorry, I've I just got power rankings in my head. I can't help it. I love them. Yeah, I mean, Sale told me before, it was gonna be my first outing back from Tommy John in spring training. Sale told me, hey, don't be afraid to suck. Just go out there and enjoy the moment. Um, that's gotta be up there. Uh, 
I mean, sure, there was just so much. Matt Andres, this is how you hold a change up. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's different categories too, you know, whether it was mentality, whether it was like G Rich teaching me how to be like a pro and how to like go about myself in the clubhouse and that kind of stuff, or like Evo teaching me the day in and day outs of like pitching and like sale, more the mentality side. Like so many of those guys like brought so much to the table and so much like in different arenas, it's hard to kind of like say like, oh, this one's better than this one, or like this one's better than this one. Same thing with like Bush and Walk, like the pitching side of it, you know, like there's just different areas and aspects that I would say, like, it's kind of hard to rank which one's more important than the other. Well, that's insane to think about how much, how much, excuse me, how much you've sort of incorporated and digested in throughout this, what has been a year, right? I mean, it's one year, one year of your life. And I know that you've had probably great years of your life. You've, you've been married and you've, you've had great accomplishments and, and, and everything else. But if you take this one year, just going by some of the examples that you get, like, that's crazy. I don't know if you sat there in your lazy boy um, on December 31st and just said, man, man, this, it has been a wild year. Oh, yeah. I mean, and like, I'm constantly just, you know, giving thanks to God just like for the opportunity and just for the the blessing to be around these guys and all that kind of stuff. So just kind of always taking it in, remember to try and continuously be humble, you know, like, and give credit to all those people that have helped me and all those that surround me and everything like that. And so I just always want to keep that to the forefront of my mind as well. All right. Before we get to Coop's top three moments, I want, I want to ask you, number one, what moment do you remember where you're like, wow, this is really cool being a major league baseball player. First, that's number one. And it could be like when they brought the shrimp cocktail in before they bring the main course in the plane. Like, so I don't know, you know. Uh, I mean, honestly, just kind of probably when we touched down in uh, Boston, getting off the plane and going to Fenway for the first time and just kind of walking in the locker room for the first time, seeing like big leaguers like in there in their office you know it was just kind of surreal just like wow you know like I'm here with these guys in the same time you know just like it, it was a really neat experience to kind of soak that up for the first time and you know just seeing that and then also like the ALDS you know like what when they walked it off just kind of taking a step to the top of the dugout while the whole team was just kind of dogpiling and stuff like that just kind of taking it in watching everyone's smiles reactions you know like tears of joy looking at the crowd seeing the crowd's reaction they're like going crazy and everything like that just kind of soaking up all those moments I'd say is like pretty sweet well I mean we talked about this on the field but you would come out like after sort of BP or whatever and you know take photos or and soak it all in and I know that people tell you to soak it all in but I gotta be honest with you Garrett like and I might have told you this at the time not enough people do it. Not enough players do it. And I don't know if you, that, that translated into a bunch of Christmas cards or uh, what, it, you know, but you actually were very intentional about coming out, stepping in pregame, whatever it is, and digesting it, I guess is the best way to put it, right? Yeah, you know, I, I like to just take that time and just appreciate where I'm at, you know, like, I, I never want to take it for granted. You know, that was my big thing is, you know, I never want to take a moment of it for granted because, you know, there's, I mean, a million kids out there that would die to be in my shoes. And so, you know, who am I to take something for granted? 
you know, so it's like, you're, you're in the, you're so lucky to be in this opportunity and everything like that. I, I don't want to waste a second of it. So, and the other thing is before we get to Coop's questions or moments is, um, this is the thing that I, I, I might've mentioned to you after you did it, after you closed out these playoff games, was there a moment, it doesn't have to be in the playoffs. Maybe it was your first game. What was the moment where you were the most nervous? Like when you were lit and cause you're a human being, it's okay to be nervous, right? It's all, and oh, yeah. I remember thinking that you were nervous. Here's the th- only time I remember thinking you were nervous and maybe I'm full of hooey. Maybe I'm wrong. It was on the Yankee stadium mound. And I, I think it was, it was in August. Maybe you were just coming back. Maybe. Struck out LeMay here, then walked back-to-back guys. Yes, yes. I felt like you were sweating a lot. Um, maybe I was wrong, but and then I, you know, then I then I'm just in amazement, like how you aren't nervous in these moments where I'm like, holy macro, it's crazy, you know, that this guy, a rookie, is in this spot and he's pitching exactly how you would pitch in the backfield at Jet Blue Park. So was there a moment where you actually said okay you know I I I was nervous I mean I tell you I was nervous every single time I went out there that's good though yeah I mean say again I keep going back to sale like telling me all these things but like I said that's the that's the kind of guy he is he's just a mentor he pours in but sale told me he's like the day you stop being nervous means you don't care anymore and so it's just one of those things that it's like you know like you're going to be nervous every time because you want to do well you want to succeed not only for the people next to you but for your city for like your teammates like everything like that so i mean like i was always nervous it's just sometimes better than others i would be able to calm myself down and just relax and just enjoy the moment and then other times i'd get caught up in the moment and speed up and like y'all could see that on like everyone can see it when it gets into that time so it's just times that like that's why the, I chose the walkout song I chose it gives me a second to like put things in perspective and understand and like just kind of breathe and move on to the next part what is your, what is the song the uh, long black train by Josh Stern can you sing it <laughs> I can't sing where the flip as my dad always tells me boy you can't carry a tune if it was in a bucket <laughs> Coop can you sing it now I, I don't even like I I'm not a big country guy so I can't oh. say it like I know it Uh, that's the northern part of me well we'll we'll integrate that but the the, the amazing thing though is garrett is that like you said there's a good it's all right to be nervous all the time and there but there's better nervousness than than others um in in the playoffs i'll come back to it like it's just amazing because i'm i'm thinking it's great that they have this guy to to be play this role in the playoffs right but you never know how a guy is going to perform it's a different stage a different thing and you just it was, I guess that was the good nervousness during the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say it was just, like I said, nervousness, but at the same time trying to just breathe control and get back to, you know, the, the just taking everything in and just enjoying the opportunity. Did you save anything with a souvenir? I told you what I, I told you the reporter way to save stuff in the, in the, in the clubhouse celebration. Yeah, so I uh, I got a couple of the champagne bottles that I didn't pop or anything and then had the team sign them and everything like that. So I kept a couple of those and like the goggles we use. I got everyone to sign the goggles and all that. So I've got that in the house. No, you didn't, you didn't give them as Christmas gifts? Oh, no, those are mine. <laughs> I, I, I told you, I Coop, I told him, I said, you know, like you talking about the champagne bottles. Like for, for me, I figured out early on in those celebrations, you take the corks from the floor 
you stuff your pocket full and that's your Christmas gift. There you go. People I mean, you could them. easily turn those into some uh, Christmas oh, ornaments out of that. Oh, or, I mean, something yeah, that's on eBay. Are you kidding me? Um, so anyway, all right. All right, Coop, here you go. Top three right, Fort Whitlock moments, 30 for 30s. Let's go. So top three, I a lot of them come from the playoffs. I think one and two. I'm not sure where I would place them. But uh, ALDS game four, ALDS game three. And uh, I actually, I, I have a question with each of these. But uh, I'll start with ALDS game three. You go in and you have two outs and you're facing Wander Franco. How are you approaching that, knowing how great he is in that moment and how great he is as a player? Yeah, he's a great, I mean, he's a, just a great all-around player. But uh, I've kind of gone back to what I'd faced him uh, a couple of other times earlier in the year. And each time he's beaten me with uh, my slider. So I was like, all right, let's not do that again. And so it was just kind of understanding that, but at the same time, you know, just trying to fill the zone and compete. All right. That's, I mean, like you actually, there's a clip on YouTube where someone goes through and they break down each pitch you threw. And uh, during the playoffs, you actually, you went to the changeup a lot, I noticed. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's true or if that's someone just kind of BSing their way through that video clip, but is that something that you were conscious of? Yeah, because if if you go back to when I blew a couple of games against the Rays, it was because they were just like, you know what, they're, they were selling out to the fastball. So I was like, all right, you know, I've got to show them, you know, off-speed pitches. And so that way they can't just sit on the fastball and everything like that. So that was intentional this this year. You know, and it's funny you said that. I think it was in the conversations I had with um, your, your guy, Todd Jones, mentor, former Red Sox pitcher and mentor to you and friend of yours. And he said, I think it was him, he said, Change-ups are the things that work in the playoffs. And I don't know if he told you that because everyone's so geared up. Like, they're more geared up than ever. And so, yeah, it's interesting that you did that. So, Coop, what are you, what's number two? So, number two, ALDS game four. And kind of the notes I took down from that is that you get out of that first inning real smooth, especially kind of transitioning into, I believe, the Rays had tied it up at that point. Mm -hmm. And you go in, offense comes in. Uh, Doogie gets thrown out at third to end that inning. And what, as you're going out to the mound, is that affecting you at all? Or are you just game as usual? It was funny in the post game. I remember someone asking me like, Oh, you know, like what were your thoughts on the offense or stuff like that? And I was like, honestly, can't even remember. Cause I'm just focused on what I got to try and do next. And so, you know, like as a pitcher, you know, I know the cliche answer is you go out there and you treat it like a zero zero game all the time, but like, that's the way you kind of got to go about it as I had, I was so focused on what I had to do next that I wasn't worried about what was going on right there. Right. And then number one is, I think this might be a little odd, is I'm going to your, your debut as a Red Sox because you, Sox were getting absolutely blown out and we're about to get, I mean, it was, it was the writing on the wall was we were going to get swept by the Orioles in that opening series. And you come in, you do three and a third, three hit, five strikeouts, zero runs. In that situation, are you, because it's a debut for a new team and I believe MLB debut mm -hmm. and any butterflies in that instance, or because of like the situation, are you just calm, cool and collected? No, I mean, there, like I said, there's always butterflies and especially on your debut. I mean, it was like when the bullpen phone rang and walk looked at me and he was like, all right, wait, you got it. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, I don't even think I remember all that until I got to the mound in the game, just because it was like, you you just everything's rushing you're like holy crap like i'm actually going to get to pitch in a big league game so it was like it was just a lot of like wave of emotions there it's a lot different than bradenton right i mean it's a lot, 
It's yeah. a lot different than Port Charlotte. I mean, because, you know, like having having like watched you throughout that, and you know, obviously Alex identifies you that first day, but still, you know, you, you go through all the games and we're saying, oh, wait a second, he's getting guys out. He's getting guys out. He's getting guys out. Um, and throughout that, I mean, it's a whole lot different than, as Coop said, stepping on the Fenway Park Mound, Mount, you know, warming up. It's great that you put yourself in that position because if you didn't, you wouldn't be on the team, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, I'm waxing poetic about the Garrett Whitlock 2021 season. Um, <laughs> so what are, you, what are you doing now? So what are you uh, – I do um, – you prepare, and I know that, you know, maybe it's in the state of flux or whatever. Do you prepare like you're a starting pitcher or a reliever? Do you prepare the same way that you always have? What do you do? Yeah, I'm just kind of preparing the same way. You know, I'm just uh, continuing to work out each day and, you know, continue to get my throwing in. And my biggest thing is I got to go down and I got to compete. I'm trying to make the team again this year. And so, you know, I'm I'm just going down there with that mindset. And, you know, it's like, hey, you got you to gotta compete your tail off and you got to try and win a spot. Well, I know that one question that, like that you were new, that you were asked quite a bit as the year went on that I knew that was never going to get an answer. Which would you rather do, start or leave? Right? I mean, like you had that down. <laughs> yeah, I said I always gave the answer of you know whatever the team needs. <laughs> team guy, that's what you love to hear. I, yeah. Oh, well, first of all, well executed, um, excellent job. And uh, it, I mean, along those lines too, another thing that you had never really experienced is media, right? I mean, now yeah. you didn't, it was a little bit different because you don't have schmoes like myself standing around the clubhouse where we were out in the dugout, but still, I mean, you have to, you know, whether it's on Zoom calls or whether it's on the field or whatever it is, I mean, this is, this is a whole new territory that you didn't get in in double a with the Yankees or, you know, Alabama, Birmingham or anything like that. Um, tell me about that adjustment a little bit. If, and if honestly, if you did get any good advice about that. Yeah. Uh, Verisac actually is the one that kind of helped me out with that aspect. He was like, you know, the, the truth is the truth, you know, like no one can get mad at you for telling the truth. And so it's one of those things that he said, you know, like, just be honest. He goes, you know, don't don't go up there and try and BS your way through things because like y'all have been doing this for long enough. Y'all see through the BS. And so, you know, it's just one of those things, go up there, tell the truth and, you know, be as honest and, you know, as open as you can be, you know, obviously there's some stuff that, you know, that stays with the team and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, like y'all are doing your job and everything like that. So just, just be honest with them and, you know, go about it that way. Did any part of that surprise you? Like any part of that, the whole scene like that surprise you? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, all you hear is, like, horror stories. Like, I hadn't talked to Todd much about, like, media or anything like that or Kendall or anything. Like, all I'd heard is, like, horror stories of, like, oh, they're just a bunch of people out trying to get you and that kind of stuff. And I meet you and I meet Chad. I meet Chris and, like, all these guys. And I'm just like, well, dang, they seem pretty nice. I don't think they're really that mean. I mean, daggum. <laughs> I, remember, I remember Todd Jones, who's, by the way, one of the nicest guys you'll ever come across. And he's writing for the – I may tell you this. He was writing for the Sporting News. He was writing a weekly column for the Sporting News. And he came to Boston. I think it was like the first week he's like, oh, man, the Boston media is vicious. I'm like, oh, no, it's not that bad. You know, and, and listen, I mean, it's definitely changed. It's not changed. It's not for better or for worse. And Coop knows this. I mean, it's, it's not like you get your newspaper thrown against your door or your window anymore. It's Twitter. It's Instagram. It's TikTok. It's everything. And, you know, and, and honestly, and this is a, a whole nother conversation, but 
the players have the opportunity to control the message more than ever now, I think. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So that's that's different. And and you, and the message that you controlled was that you are a really, really good chess player. So excellent. <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, Barnes always told me, he was just like, listen, like if you suck, own up that you suck. Don't try and go up there being defensive and everything. Just like if you would talk to a friend at home, you know, like no one wants to hear a bunch of excuses. Like, you know, like the times I sucked, I literally told you like, hey, you know, should have learned faster. You know, I should have recognized that they were just beating changeups or beating fastballs and stuff like that. Or, you know, like, hey, I just made the wrong pitch to Altuve. You know, like I didn't execute it there. Or like to Leo Garcia, I can't throw a 0-2 fastball down the heart of the middle. You know, it's like you got to own up when you suck. And, you know, it's just one of those things. And so you own up when you suck and you take that on. But at the same time, like when the team does good, it's the whole team. It's not just you that did amazing. You know, it's like, hey, it's a team effort. What, what did you do cool this, this off season? Uh, I spent time with my wife. You know, that's the biggest thing is because, you know, she's in her PhD program. Like we don't get to spend much time together during the year. Uh, you know, I'm very grateful when she can travel up or when, you know, she gets to see me during the year, like when we came to Atlanta, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's just kind of soaking up the time with the dog and the wife and everything, just kind of enjoying that, seeing family, seeing friends and all that kind of stuff that you can't do, especially like this past year with the whole COVID thing, you know, it was kind of, kind of like all tight knit there. Yeah. I mean, that was one thing I don't think people understood that, you know, she's getting her PhD. What's she getting her PhD in again? Uh, genetics. Genetics. And so she got a PhD in genetics. She's going to school down there. You're trying to establish your baseball career up here and, and I mean, that was, it was a lot going on in the Whitlock household last year. Oh yeah. She's a trooper. I definitely married up. That's for sure. <laughs> what she want to do? Like what's her, I know what your dream job is, is to pitch for the Boston Red Sox to pitch in the major league base. What's her dream job? What's her, her thing? So her desire is to work with uh, children with rare diseases. So uh, she works with the precision medicine Institute down here at UAB. And she does like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of research and a bunch of um, like casework with uh, children with rare diseases. And so she's very passionate about that, you know, is always good with kids and always good at relating to people, you know, cause I always say like, Hey, if you can dumb down what you do and explain it to me, then you can explain it to literally anybody. Uh, cause I'm a college dropout. So if I can understand it the way she uh, brings it to me, you know, like then she's pretty good at communicating her, uh, her stuff. And so, you know, like she's, she's just very driven and very passionate about, you know, like helping, helping children with rare diseases. That's awesome. Well, Whitlock family is is in my top 10 for family of the year. So there you go. Congratulations. I appreciate that. Hope you got anything before we sign off here. No, I mean, that's about it. I, the only thing I kind of thought of is, are you still playing chess like over apps or anything with any of the guys? uh so not so much with any of the uh any of the guys just because like our schedules are so different everything is kind of hard to because they're all timed and stuff like that so we haven't really been doing much of that i got a couple friends here that i play chess with but just kind of mostly just doing a lot of puzzles and stuff like that and you know playing random people on the online and stuff like that okay what's your record so far this off season i honestly haven't kept up with my record (laughs) (laughs) For, for the great for the great love of chess the great, exactly. the great game of chess is the big winner. The, the uh, so uh, spring training, cross our fingers on time, and and that one of those first few days we will have a race between you and uh, and I don't want you to race Evaldi or Sale. I want you to 
Wait, I want you to raise Hauk. I want because <laughs> this this is going to put this is going to put a little spur under him a little bit. You know, we'll get the word out, and so it's, if we're here to motivate Garrett, we're here to motivate. So there you go. Hey, I'll say this about Tanner. That's the best part about him. Like he, he's by far my best friend on the team. We've gotten super close. And, you know, I, I talked to him all throughout the off season and everything. His wife and my wife have gotten really close too. And so, you know, it's just great to have like a competitiveness with another teammate and stuff like that, that I'm close to in age and everything. And, you know, at the same time, like that can sometimes be like a divisive thing. Like you kind of look at them and like, Oh, you're my competition kind of thing. But it's like, it's so neat, like how how close of a friend he is. That it's like I don't feel any divisiveness or any like tension at all between us. And it's just it's really cool, like how we compete and just kind of get after it at the same time, like pushing each other, helping each other along, and like just knowing that we're always there for each other too. Well, just for that one day, you can hit, you can hate each other for <laughs> so. And Coop, you can make get mixed into in the equation too. We'll give you. A I mean, I I would just embarrass myself. Yeah. There's no point. I'd end up with like a pulled hamstring or something. I'm <laughs> I'm well past my athletic prime. That's okay. That's all right. Again, the, the sport of running will be the real winner. All right, Garrett. Uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It's always good catching up with you. I'm glad you're having a good off season and uh, cross our fingers February, right? Absolutely. Thank you, guys.